You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode 149 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Treehouse Mafia. Formed initially amongst middle school friends in 1999, Treehouse Mafia is a quartet of washed-up hardcore kids with dad bods from Evansville, Indiana, playing nostalgic yet fresh pop punk. Times changed and life took its course, but in 2019, the guys decided to give it one more shot. Newly reformed and hitting the ground running, Treehouse Mafia is poised to be your cool aunt's favorite pop-punk band in the near future. For more information on Treehouse Mafia, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms, as well as Facebook and Instagram, at TreehouseMafia2020. Now here it is, their new single, Fight Song.
This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey everybody, this is Jarrett from your favorite band, Bowling for Soup, and you are listening to That One Time on Tour. Run for the road, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the bed Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is Chris Swinney, and I am your host for that one time on tour. If this is your first time joining me, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar, that's right, I said stellar, conversation. Uh, I hope you're all doing well out there, staying safe and healthy during the pandemic. Everything's looking better. The numbers are trending down. I think uh, we might have some live music in our future. I'm, I'm pretty stoked for that. Uh, the Here in Indiana, they have, they're doing away with the mask mandate. I think that might be a little premature, but they're also offering the vaccination for everybody over the age of 16. And I fall into that category because I am over the age of 16 and I have been for a while, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get my vaccine. I've, I've had some friends that have had some kind of bad reactions to the vaccine. And then I've had a lot of friends that have been completely fine once they've had their vaccine. So I, I am pro vaccine and I'm going to go, go get mine at some point in the near future. So wish me luck with that. If you guys can get your vaccine, you should probably do it as well. So then uh, I can do these podcasts live. I don't have to do them over Zoom or or FaceTime or whatever. But uh, today on the program, man, it's a good one. I got to sit down and have a chat with my buddy, Mr. Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup. Jared has done so many cool things, not just Bowling for Soup. He's a voiceover actor, uh, Phineas and Ferb. He did the voices on that and the theme song for that show. He is the voice of Chuck E. Cheese. My son Silas was stoked. I told him that uh, that daddy's friends with Chuck E. Cheese, and he was pretty pretty excited about that. But uh, we had this thing scheduled a few times. It kind of fell through the cracks, as is the, the situation a lot of the times with podcasts, getting schedules together. And just figuring stuff out. And Jarrett's a very busy guy. I mean, he he has his own podcasts, a couple podcasts that he does. He manages bands. He produces. You know, he's just, 
He's got his hand in a lot of cookie jars, a lot of different cookie jars, but we finally got it done. He's on the show today. Uh, I was also a guest recently on his podcast called The Rockstar Dad Show. Uh, I guess with me on the show, they're using that term very loosely, but uh, it should be out sometime soon. I had a blast hanging out on uh, on his podcast talking about being a dad and you know, playing music and just everything that you talk about. It was, it was a lot of fun and that will be out very soon. And I'm sure I'll be letting you guys know when that drops as well. But I had such a good time chatting with Jarrett and getting to, to know him better. We've known of each other for quite a while. We have a lot of mutual friends. We've never actually met in person, but it was really, really nice. I feel like I made a good friend out of Jarrett. And uh, I think you're really going to love our conversation. So before I get to my conversation with Jarrett, I do need to pay some bills like I always do. I'm going to get through these pretty quick. The band at the beginning of the episode, Treehouse Mafia. Thank you guys so much. This is their second episode that they have sponsored. Good old Hoosier boys right here in my home state of Indiana. You can check them out on all the socials and all of the streaming platforms. Just search for Treehouse Mafia on the streaming sites or on the socials at Treehouse Mafia 2020. Uh, let's give it up for my buddy Gary over at PartsCasterConcierge.com. He consults on guitars. He builds guitars. He builds enclosures for pedals, all kinds of cool stuff. If you guys need some work done, hit Gary up, PartsCasterConcierge.com. SBAM.rocks, spam.rocks. They do art. They have a music festival. They put out records. They're amazing. You need to check them out. They've probably done artwork for one of your favorite bands. So check it out, sbam.rocks. If you are in central Indiana and you would like to get some ink, you need to hit up Permanence Tattoo Gallery on Meridian Street in downtown Anderson, Indiana. Check them out. It's where I go. It's the only place you should go if you are local. And you can check them out on the socials at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. Last but not least, our friends at Green Chef. Meal meal kits are the, all the rage now. My wife and I love them. Green Chef has sent me all kinds of good stuff. Uh, we are keto, so we eat basically just protein, <laughs> no carbs. But uh, they have all kinds of different lifestyle choices from keto to vegetarian to vegan to just, you know, good old-fashioned meat and potatoes, whatever you want. Green Chef is amazing. You need to check them out. And by listening to this podcast, you can have a killer deal. Go to greenchef.com forward slash nine zero T O T O T. And you're going to get $90 off and free shipping. You can't beat that. So check it out. Greenchef.com forward slash nine zero T O T O T. Uh, if you have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode or two, you can hit me up, TOTOT Podcast at gmail.com or on any of the socials at TOTOT Podcast. Uh, check out our Patreon if you want to support us that way. It is patreon.com forward slash TOTOT Podcast. If you want to make a one time donation to your favorite podcast host, you can hit up my personal Venmo. It is at Christopher Swinney, C H R I S T O P H E R. S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. The easiest and most cost-effective way to support your favorite podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen, and make sure to follow us on the socials, like I told you, at T-O-T-O-T Podcast. 
Recently, we set up a Discord server, which is really cool. You need to check it out. People are signing up every day. It is totally free and awesome. There is a link to sign up for the Discord server over at our awesome website, tototpodcast.com. My new band, Fire Sale, I talk about us every week. I'm getting really excited. Our new single will be dropping on the streaming sites on April 1st. Make sure to pre-save our new single. It's called Dark Hearts. And uh, the link to pre-save is on our Facebook, our Instagram, at Fire Sale is a band. And now you can hit up our brand new website for everything Fire Sale related. Firesaleisaband.com. Could not be more excited about that. The, the pre-sale for our 7-inch single will be up uh, a week or two after the first single drops. So check that out. I'm going to debut our new single on next week's episode, the day that it comes out on the streaming sites. So, uh, you know, mark your calendars, April 1st. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, let's see what else we've got here in the intro. Uh, shout out to our art director, Sarah over at road dog supply. Make sure to follow her on Instagram and Facebook at road dog supply. And if you guys need anything at all, check out RoadDogSupply.com. You can, you can get you some big wig, big wig merch. Big wig is on the same company with their merchandise. And, uh, yeah, they're just, it's a great company. Sarah is amazing. And she always hooks us up and does crazy good work for our podcast and for everybody else as well. So shout out to Sarah at road dog supply. So today we do have a radio segment and, uh, it's a, it's a really fun one. So cue the theme music. On this edition of TOTOT Radio, uh, it's it's a good one. It's kind of self-serving a little bit, but I'm a huge fan of everyone's quarantine covers that they've been posting for the last year, you know, where guys record themselves playing, they put it all together, and then they do a video that same way. I've always wanted to do one. I've never been asked. Recently, I was asked by the guys in the band Just Like Them. Uh, they cover Descendants in all songs, and they're all awesome musicians in their own right. And it was kind of serendipitous because they asked me to play the solo for Clean Sheets, which is one of my favorite Descendants songs, and the vocals were provided by today's guest, Mr. Jarrett Reddick. Uh, the video is available now everywhere, including YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You can search for Just Like Them on all the socials, or you can just go to justlikethemband.com and check out everything. They've done stuff with, with Yo Tom from Useless ID, Scott Reynolds from All. They just did a song recently with Milo and Stefan from The Descendants. So you, you need to check it out. I was, I was honored to be a part of it. I got to just dip in and dip out 14 seconds. I did one of Stefan's solos, and it was a lot of fun to learn and to do all the work and the guys in the band are amazing. Shout out to Just Like Them. And yeah, hopefully I'll get to do something with them in the future. And it was really cool to get to, yeah, I feel like Jared's been in my life now for a few weeks because I did his podcast, he did my podcast, and we did a song together. 
So I want you guys to check it out. There is a video, like I said, online, but this is the audio. This is just like them with me doing the solo and Jarrett doing the vocals. And it's Clean Sheets by The Descendants. Here it is. cover of clean sheets by the descendants uh just like them featuring yours truly on lead guitar and mr Jarrett reddick today's guest on this podcast doing all the vocals i had such a good time doing it and i hope i get to do more if you're doing a quarantine cover style thing out there ask me i would love to do it i would love to do like a silver chair one or like I don't know, some different, I've done a couple playthrough things. Like I did some stuff with my buddy AJ 
from uh, Hit the Switch. And th- those were fun. We did Alice in Chains and some Metallica, but I would like to do something else kind of like this. So if you're interested, hit me up. We'll do something. We'll put something together. But like I said before, if you want to check that out, the video, go to justlikethemband.com. Thank you guys so much for including me. I really appreciate it. But that is it for the intro, ladies and gentlemen. And it is time for what you came for. My conversation with my buddy, Mr. Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Mr. Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup. Finally, you're on the show. What's going on, man? <laughs> I'm elusive sometimes. I'm not elusive. I, I try to tell people all the time. It's like it either works out on the scheduling thing and like we nail it time one or it seems like I'm the most flaky person that's ever existed. And I hate that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I hit you up like uh, we'll get into we have some mutual friends. I don't think we've ever met, but I, I hit you up about a year ago and uh, we were talking back and forth and then it was just radio silence. But in the podcast yeah. world, that happens all the time. Man, I'll tell you, too, you know, it's funny, you, you know, a year ago and and things are moving. I'm, I'm just getting home from a UK tour. And then obviously we play one more show and then just the carpet is just ripped from out from under all of us. Right. And here we, you know, all of a sudden it's just like, what am I doing to even exist? Yeah. So I, 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 I probably was a little hard to get a hold of for a while. I threw myself into just playing online shows and I was literally playing like every day. If I, if I didn't have a show of my own, I was doing shit for charity and you know, yada, yada. just, trying to keep myself busy and sane. Um, but man, I'm, I am really glad to finally be on your show. I know that uh, a bunch of, bunch of my friends have been on here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. This is awesome. Well, it, I'm glad to finally have you in the ranks of all the people that have been on the show, but, uh, you know, you were just talking about coming back from that UK tour. Uh, one thing that I like to get into at the beginning of these episodes is how the virus and the pandemic has kind of affected you. So you came back, you played that one show. I take it then lockdown mm. kind of happened so did you you said you threw yourself into playing online shows and whatnot? Like how did it affect you and how is it still affecting you? So um, you know, yeah, I mean, ironically, um, I don't know if this is iron irony. It might be just coincidentally. You know how we misuse that word all the time? So yeah, I'll just tell yeah. you and then we, you know, I'm just gonna tell you what happened. Our last show was on the corona stage <laughs> at a uh <laughs> at a show down in Galveston. And uh, not kidding. And you come home, and then it's like, okay, um, my birthday hit. I did, like, this acoustic thing. It was fucking great. About a week later, um, it was like, okay, the kids are on spring break. Wait, they're going to go ahead and close spring break next week, too, because of this virus. And it's like, okay, what the fuck is happening? And then we had shows at the end of March, and those got canceled. And then... We had shows in June and those got canceled. And then the shows in August got canceled. And then, so I have some pretty gnarly um, anxiety and I, I have depression as well. And uh, like many of the people in our, our world. Um, and it really started to get me. And, and, and it took a, a bit to just sort of put my finger on what was happening. And I think when I tell you this, it'll make sense. I, you know, I'm a calendar driven person because I tour for a living. And so my life is, at home is is sandwiched in between these pockets of time where I have to go and do my job. And all of a sudden I had nothing on the calendar at all. And once I realized that that's what it was, um, yeah, I just threw myself into doing stage at shows, 
Um, like I said, I, anybody that was asking me to do a fundraiser, I did it. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it didn't matter. I just wanted to entertain and play. Luckily for me, I, a, along with that, I, I'm a voiceover actor and I'm the voice of Chuck E. Cheese and Chuck E. Cheese decided to go full on into these live stream bits. So I was doing that every week too. Um, and then, um, you know, just trying to stay busy hanging. And then we started hanging out with the band online. And so long story or long answer, I guess, um, it, it was pretty brutal at first, but I know, you know, not like a lot of people, but you know, we've, um, We've been in we've been in quarantine three times because of either exposure or my wife having it. Um, I still have not gotten it uh, tested many times, and so you know it's it's been uh, you know it's been a it's been a pandemic, you know. But uh, <laughs> but you know I I'm a really positive person. I try to take the positivity out of th- out of everything, and I know my wife and I have really loved the year together. I know that it's it's you know my eight year old and I. Have had a lot of fun. Um, you know, my 15 and 18 year old, unfortunately, you know, are with their mom and them coming back and forth kind of has to be in a socially distanced kind of way. So it's like we do dinner once every couple of weeks or something like that. But like, you know, they're going to school. So it's like and I haven't had the virus yet. And, you know, I'm, I've got I've I'm overweight and I have um, high blood pressure. So, you know, it's it's just a it's one of those things. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're doing okay. We're doing all right. So you mentioned, I wanted to get into this later, but I think it's a good time to bring it up. Many people might not know that you are the voice of Chuck E. Cheese. You've been doing it since 2011. Um, can you kind of, I mean, I know that, you know, the music career was going well and you kind of had a name for yourself. How did that come about? How did they pick you for that gig? Man, it's, it's, I have so many of these stories in my life and I, it just, you know, this is such evidence of like, you never know who's watching. Like I have so many stories like this, like, you know, and you'll, you will probably ask me about another one by the end of this interview. Probably. And you don't even know you're walking into it, you know, but man, I, I, um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian and I was an actor as a kid. I I did all of the drama and and all of that stuff. And I was actually going to go to college um, and major in drama. I decided not to do that because I didn't want to be a waiter. And, uh, so (laughs) I, uh, I majored in business and psychology and, uh, my, my young adult life is fucking crazy. Just like I own my own business. Um, you you owned a toy store, right? I owned a toy store. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I started building above ground swimming pools and I just always very entrepreneurial, always never afraid to hustle. And, um, but yeah, my dream was to be a stand-up comedian. But what I found was is when when we started doing Bowling for Soup, it kind of gave me the outlet to do both. Um, you know, if you come see our band, it's it's about half music, half just fucking banter. And half the time, we don't even know what we're talking about. And that's part of the draw. Um, so anyway, I, um, I think around 2009 or so, I started doing improv comedy here in Dallas and uh, did some really big shows and joined a troupe and, and all of that. So when Chuck E. Cheese hired a Dal- – they're Dallas-based. They hired a new advertising firm, and it was like, we want to revamp. We want to totally like redo Chuck E. and who he is. And they were like, well, let's make him a rock star, and let's you know make him – you know, super cool and, and snazzy looking and, and all of this. And apparently, you know, the guy who got the account was like, Oh dude, I know who we need. Like I've seen this guy do improv comedy. 
He can sing anything he wants. You know, like, like let's just, like, we got to get this guy. So the craziest part of the whole story is they went and made a reel of me, pitched me to everybody involved or whatever, and I was already approved. And so by the time I found myself um, in, a, in a room booth recording, I thought I was auditioning. <laughs> and turns out I was cutting commercials for the first six months of my contract, which I didn't sign for four months, you wow. know, for four months later. So, you know, it's just one of those things where this dude was just like, I, this is the guy. We've got to get this guy, and uh, certainly, certainly worked out. It, it's it sucks because they only had the account for you know three or four years, I think. Yeah. Um. So I've been through so many different advertising agencies since then, and now I just I just work with corporate, um, which makes it a lot nicer actually. Um. But uh. But yeah, it's uh. It's a great great gig, and you know the nostalgic aspect of it you know because i loved chuck e cheese as a kid i loved showbiz as a kid i mean those, see that those, that I was mean, my I, experience showbiz pizza place with the animatronic yeah. you know band and everything and then it changed over to chuck e cheese but it, it's still pretty yeah. much the same like people right there's the same concept yeah it's, it's a it's a crazy story um showbiz actually bought chuck e cheese and but chuck e cheese had the better mascot you know and the better just sort of like brand but showbiz was showbiz was doing better. They had Billy Bob the Bear, uh, but but all the animat animatronics and everything were kind of the same. They just put new suits on them, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that's a really interesting story. If you ever want to go down a rabbit hole, go read about that uh, Chuck E. Cheese showbiz story. It's pretty gnarly. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, man. I, I'm a father also. I have a three year old daughter and a four year old son. And my son's almost five, but his favorite place in the world is Chuck E. Cheese. And every time, oh, I love it. Every time we're there, I'm like, you hear that over the speaker? That's Daddy's friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's it's it, you know it's 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 really cool to me too because I, um, you know, again, I, I my child is eight and he like still thinks it's fun. You know, I mean, he's, yeah. it, the other two were kind of older by the time I got it. So to them, it was just like, oh, okay, it's another one of your things that you do. But, uh, I got to see how special it was to him. And, and, you know, I, the, the other two kids, you know, grew up me doing Phineas and Ferb. So I, you know, I kind of get that with, with all three, but I love that your kids love going there, man. <laughs> and the pizza's good, right? Oh, the pizza's wonderful. Yeah. It's awesome. It's great. People give that pizza shit. I'm just like, you are crazy. This pizza is delicious. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing. My my wife and I, for the longest time, have been on the keto diet. But every time we went to Chuck E. Cheese, it's like it's cheat day because the pizza is so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So you brought up another thing. I mean, I want to get to the music because that's like the main reason I wanted to have you on. But the Phineas and Ferb thing, I wasn't aware of that because I, I guess yeah. – you know, I'm 42 years old. Maybe I missed that whole era of when that was really popular. But I went back and checked it out when I saw that. And that's amazing to me that you you guys did the theme song. Like, you did all kinds of stuff, right? And you had a character on the show? Yeah. I mean, and again, this... Okay, told you. Like, this is another one of those deals that I got before I even knew I had it. Like, uh, the two creators of the show wrote together on The Simpsons. And apparently in The Simpsons writer room, Bowling for Soup was like one of the bands that they could agree on. Wow. And they listened to Bowling for Soup all the time. Uh, Dan went on to be one of the original animators and directors of Family Guy. And Swampy created Rocco's Modern Life. Okay. Okay. Um, now Swampy's doing Pete the Cat, which is huge right now. Um, but they created the show called Phineas and Ferb. And the whole time, they're just like, we got to get Bowling for Soup to do that. We got to get Bowling for Soup to do that. That's our favorite band. That's We got to do this. And so, again, 
they had a theme song. They brought me in. I I go to the meeting and they're like, look, we, we need to turn this 30 second theme song into a single so that we can have like a two and a half, three minute version that has a chorus and all this that we can play on the radio and that we can um that we can put in in movie trailers and things like that. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. So I did that and um wrote today is gonna be a great day, which is basically the using the the theme as verses and then I wrote the chorus and the bridge um and, and made it into a song. And I had done that before um with a few other songs. So you know I, I think that, that that probably didn't hurt. But man, I'm there we're talking and they were just like, you know, we think it'd be cool if you, you know, you have any interest in reading for a part. I'm like, well, yes, I <laughs> desperately want to read for a part. So I read for uh, the part of Swampy um, in the band Love Handle and I ended up getting cast as Danny, which is the singer of Love Handle, which is a much bigger part and uh, a lot more appearances. And then, but then, yeah, over the course of the nine years that that show was on, um, I wrote a bunch of songs, performed a bunch of songs. You know they were uh, they 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 were really great to me and still still great friends and just one of my favorite success stories in in all of my career. Now, since we're talking about like this voice actor stuff and and you know writing songs for shows, I seem to remember I don't have this in my notes or anything, but it just popped into my head since we're friends on Facebook. I remember you posting about that show on ABC called School. Yeah. Yeah, school. You, you had something to do with that as well, correct? I did. Yeah, me and so I, I have a, another band called Jarrett and Kelly, and it's me and Kelly Ogden from the Dolly Rots, just a duo. And um, we they were looking for a theme song for the. It's a spinoff of the Goldbergs. Well, Adam Goldberg is a huge Bowling for Soup fan, and he just sent me a text one day, and he goes, "Hey, uh, any interest in you and Kelly submitting for the theme song of this new spinoff? Because we're looking for a really strong female voice, and I think she would kill it." And so we wrote 14, <laughs> the song had to be 14 seconds long. We wrote 14, <laughs> 14 second songs. Okay. And uh, we beat out like tons of heavy hitters and uh, we got the theme. Unfortunately, the, the show only went two seasons and yeah. four is the magic number. You know, if it goes four seasons, you start to make money. Um, so unfortunately we didn't win that gamble, but still it's, you know, it's something cool to say that we did and. And uh, now, we, and I keep telling her, I think we need to just put out the album and and have 14, 14 second songs yeah, about yeah. something. Like, let's make these all about this, you know? <laughs> that, that's awesome. And I remember seeing that on Facebook and I watched that show for the mere fact that you posted that you did the theme song. Oh, really? <laughs> Very cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, that, that, that's funny because it, that that is really kind of the intro, to I think, to a lot of Bowling for Soup fans and, and then my friends. Um, where they were just like, oh, okay, well, I don't never really sat down and watched this, but I'll check it out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish that it, I wish it had done better, but at the same time, you know, it's, uh, it's great experience. And, and, you know, you, each one of those things that you do when you fucking nail it, you know, that those people will think of you again, yeah, you know, down yeah. the road that like, they'll come to you. And, and, and a lot of times it's in a pinch and, and it's like, Hey man, we need you to turn something in a, in a day and a half, and either you can or you can't. You know, depending on what's going on with family. So, when you're doing like the stuff now, like say during the pandemic, like I'm sure you're still doing Chuck E. Cheese stuff. You're set up at your house to do podcasts. I mean, and everything else. Are you doing a lot of work from home now? Yeah, everything, man. I I um, and that's been nice. I mean, I I used to have to go to. I used to do about half the Chuck E. Cheese stuff at home. Uh, now I do all of it at home. Um. 
And uh, it's it's nice because I, I I like to be able to do it at my own pace. I, I'm real fast, like probably like you. You know when you when you're doing the shit that you know how to do, like tracking vocals and things like that for me. Like I I am just I'm really quick, and so it's it makes me a little anxious sometimes if somebody else is recording me and they're not fast, you know. And a lot of times it's just because they don't know you know how you are and and like you know, that you want to go quickly, you know? Um, but so it's been nice. It's, it's, it's been really cool to, to, and I, and you're right. I'm so set up because yeah, I've been doing, so one of my podcasts is Jarrett goes to the movies. I've been doing that for five years and I've redone my studio, I think six times wow. to accommodate that because we've gone from cameras coming out of the ceiling to webcams to just all these different things. And, um, and then I do uh, Rockstar dad. We've had to figure that out. Gary, uh, my drummer is on that with me and he's you're gonna be on that show yeah, soon. It's, I'm stoked. And and um he is uh he's doing that from home and we've got it sounding pretty good. So you know it's it's a uh, it's if you bought Zoom stock when when all this shit started, <laughs> I'm sure you were very, very happy. But, I I, did, um, I had Kent, uh the manager of No Effects on a while back and we were talking about that and he actually bought Zoom stock last February. No shit. He, he would wow. not. He would not like tell me how much he made. But he said right. he was very happy with his purchase. I'm certain he was, man. I'm just so <laughs> not good at that world. I, we had a financial advisor on Rockstar Dad the other day, and he was just like, "If you're just getting into the stock market to piddle around, like it's just like sports gambling. Like, yeah, you're just you know whatever." And so I had actually bought some DraftKings when it came out at thirteen bucks, and it went up to sixty dollars. Wow! And after that, after that conversation with him, I was like, "Okay, fuck it, I'm out." You know, like I'm just like, I, "That's that's enough. I made enough." You know, but uh, I but yeah, I, uh, but. I I bought into the whole uh, you know the Elon Musk Dogecoin thing, the cryptocurrency okay. a couple of weeks ago. I I bought a couple hundred dollars of Dogecoin and it started to plummet, but I was up like 300. So I sold, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not touching that stuff yeah, ever again. Totally. <laughs> My God, man. And you, you know, there's going to come a time in our lives where like that cryptic currency and shit is going to be like what people spend. Oh yeah. And we're going to be like that. We're going to be like the old people at McDonald's not knowing how to order. Yeah. You know, like we're <laughs> just going to be like, I, all I want is a sandwich. We don't have sandwiches. We have cheeseburgers and um, we have chicken, you know? <laughs> Uh, it's just going to be the fucking worst. Well, I tell you, I, I did want to mention really quick, uh, I'm going to be on your show. We're recording uh, next week sometime, but uh, it's going to be the day after I have Fat Mike on my show, so hopefully I won't be too stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be fine. Do you have him early in the day? <laughs> I have him pretty early in the day, yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's like, and I, I, Mike and I are acquaintances, but I just when when I got the call like, hey, do you want him to be on this show? I was like, yeah, I'm just, I got to prepare to maybe uh, deal with Mike, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a force in and of himself. Oh, yeah, definitely. So maybe I'll be okay the next day when we do our, when we do our Rockstar Dads thing, but uh, it'll be, it'll be awesome. Well, man, I want to talk a little bit about your background. I've heard you on some podcasts and uh, I don't know a lot about your story. I do know that you were the youngest of six children. So I think maybe that was where that hustler mentality came from, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe so, man. I, you know, my life is fucking weird. It's, um, you know, I, um, my brother and I were adopted and raised by my dad. Uh, but I, I recently found my, uh, biological sisters. And, uh, so, you know, I've got this whole new family out there now, but yeah, man, growing up it, my, my, um, my dad's kids were older. So it was pretty much just me and my brother. 
And uh, he was five years older than me, which means, you know, I was mostly in his way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, at, but, you know, on the days that he was bored, he was nice to me, you know. Uh, and now, you know, he's like my biggest fan and my my best friend. And in fact, he just we have we have insane weather right now in Dallas, like crazy snow and power outages and shit. And so he was just checking on his little brother. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, pretty normal upbringing, you know, in Wichita Falls, Texas, pretty small town, uh, about 100,000 people. It never grows, never shrinks. It just sort yeah. of stays. And um yeah, I when I was seventeen, um, I started a toy store with my girlfriend's dad, and um, had that for several years. Just started out selling shit on the side of the side of the street, skateboards and scooters and bikes, and it ended up becoming this thing where we had an actual location. And then a few years later, we would be able to open up five or six other locations in other cities just at Christmas time. And, um, you know, the video games pretty much killed that, um, you know, once, um, Walmart and Target and, and those bigger categories, you know, the bigger department stores started to get Nintendo and things like that. I couldn't really compete from, um, on a, on a financial aspect with that. You just, you, you couldn't be a mom and pop store and stock electronics yeah. back then. It's just, it just didn't happen. And so that was kind of the end of that. Um, got into home building for a while. All this is why I was going to college. I built. Um, three houses from the ground up, learning how to do it, like literally doing it with with my hands and with a couple of partners. And uh, just as we were finishing the third one, they built a coin-operated car wash about uh, about 100 feet from it. And that motherfucker just sat there. And uh, that was the end of that company. <laughs> <laughs> and then I built above-ground swimming pools for a summer and uh, actually built the, this company. I set the record for the most built in a summer. And, uh, and then about that time I was graduating and Bowling for Soup had started and, uh, you know, I guess we were about a year and a half into Bowling for Soup at the time. And we played a show in Abilene, Texas. Never forget it. Uh, we had some radio play at the time there and, and a few other small towns and people were singing the words to all of our songs. And, you know, and it was this huge show that the radio station had done. There were like 4,000 people. And at the end of that night, I was just like okay, guys, I think I got it figured out, you know? Like, I think I got it. Like, if you guys want to do this, let's just fucking go for it. Here's the deal. You got to be 100% committed, put the band first. There's no more, we're not coming home ever again. There's no more funerals, weddings, no birthday parties, nothing. If we were in this, we're in it. Because, you know, that's the whole thing, right? You, you get a group of four or five guys together and everybody has a weekend they need off every month. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't go anywhere, you know? So it, it literally meant like, hey, you want to give up your life for this shit. And we did. We gave away, gave gave up our lives, and you know, lost lost wives along the way, and, <laughs> you know, and uh, and definitely did not get uh, the amount of time that you know. That I think if, when you look back, you a lot of people wish they'd have spent more time with family and things like that. You know, um, I have that with my kids. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I know that what I did and what we have done and what we are doing is. It's a dream for 98.99999% yeah. of the people in the world at some point in their life to do what we get to do. So, you know, you just have to understand that with anything comes sacrifice. And so... Um I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time a secular religion, if you will, 
with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Had you always been a musician? I mean, was that a big part of your life, like your whole life? Like when did you start getting in or singing or playing guitar? How did that happen for you? Yeah, I guess I kind of left that out, didn't I? I um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, uh, dude, I, um, it's so funny to tell this story because it, the song that I'm going to say has such a different, you know, it's such a different feeling that it puts into people's heads now than it did even when I would tell this story in 1997, you know, but this kid... Greg Norman brought his Walkman to school one day, and we had free time after a after a uh, speed multiplication test. If you got a hundred, you got to uh, have free time. If you didn't get a hundred, then you had to work on multiplication. So free time is just basically you just go to the back of the class and you know play a board game or whatever. And this kid, Greg Norman, let me hear "Crazy Train" for the first time. Yeah, by Ozzy, and I'll never forget the feeling and just all of the things that went through me because you know Ozzy at that time was like the darkest of the dark lords like people who are listening to this podcast probably could maybe find a little bit of that in like Marilyn Manson and his his there is nothing that could that could like that that put forth the feeling of evil like Ozzy in the 80s though man (laughs) like not even kiss you know it's like he was the fucking prince of darkness you know and uh, obviously, a lot of that was played upon and it worked, but you know, I was scared shitless of him until I heard the song and I just the guitar and his voice and you know how that voice you would later learn that his voice is doubled or tripled and it's just yeah. so thick and cool sounding and shit. And at that point, I was just like, okay, fuck it, I'm, I like music now. So I, you know, up until then, I'd only listened to what my parents listened to or what my brother listened to, and and you know, it was always always music playing. So it's always musical. But I, w- I asked for a drum set and um, started playing drums. So I played drums all through school, marching band, um, and in all my bands. And then um, when I was about 17, 18, uh, it was easier to find drummers and bass players than it was a singer. So I temporarily, our bass player started playing drums, and our we got a bass player that we had had a long time ago. And I was just like, okay, I'll just sing. We'll do some shows or whatever. And... That was kind of it. I mean, and then, and this was all real heavy metal shit. Like we, we were pretty heavy obituary and Testament and (laughs) Slayer and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, then again, what happened to me was another kid moves to town (laughs) when I'm like 18 and lets me hear the descendants for the first time. And the same exact thing happened to me. And I'll never forget where I was standing, what I was doing. I was actually at my toy store. Um, I was standing at the front counter. He starts to play. Uh, we, we just put on Somery. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, this is like heavy and fast, but he's really singing. And he's talking about farts and girls. <laughs> like, this is this is it. This is it. This is what I want to do. And um, so from there, I would, you know, discover, you know, the early Green Day shit and, and uh, Bad Religion. And um, Screeching Weasel was my jam. 
Um, and, uh, and that stuff, and, and that's pretty much, you know, was the, was the foundation of Bowling for Soup for me a couple of years after that. I tell you, man, I, I have so many people on this show that have those experiences with the descendants and mm. Yeah. For for me, I'm a little bit younger than you, just a couple of years, but I was into a little bit of punk rock, a lot of metal, and I really like Sublime, which I get a lot of shit. Oh, okay. I get shit sure. from people all the time, but they're a great band. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that they're just over, over commercialized and it's weird that they still tour without him, you know, yeah, so much yeah. without him and all of that. But but at the time when that record came out, it was pretty mind-bending. Like, it, yeah. it, there just wasn't music like that that was popular. Yeah, and I remember that the first time I heard their cover of Hope by the Descendants on 40 Ounces yeah. of Freedom, I was like, oh, this isn't their song? I'm going to go check out this, what this band sounds like. And I remember, Liz, I, I bought Milo Goes to College, and it changed my mm. life. I, I yeah, Everything changed after that. So it's weird that my entry point was this punk reggae Chad band was what we yeah. used to call him. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's a term, but like, you know, guys at school that are like that, we called them Chads. <laughs> you know, I told, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Stefan as well. And, and he's been on the Rockstar Dad show and we've had this conversation where I said, you know, I mean, whether you guys like it or not, you're the, you're the godfathers of pop punk. Oh yeah. Like you created, you created that genre. Uh, you didn't mean to. I don't think. I think you guys were doing what you did, and you know there was Milo could actually sing, so you guys wrote actual songs, and you know, but you created this genre. The rest of us just fucking followed Green Day's, you know, moves, yeah, and just took your shit and just ran with it, you know. And and you won't you won't find anybody uh, that's truthful about their influences in 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 this genre that won't say that. It's 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 just is what it is. Well, I just love that uh, that quote that Dave Grohl says on Filmage, where he's like, "If they released Milo Goes to College in 1999, they'd be fucking living in mansions." <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true. Yeah, it's it's absolutely so true. Very far, very far ahead of their time. And the cool thing is, we'll we'll get this out of the way really quick. I don't know when it's being released, but you and I actually worked on a Descendants cover of Clean Sheets. I was very happy to be on that with you. Yeah, it was, you you too, man. Yeah, they're uh, it was super cool to be asked about that. Um, you know, I, what's their thing called? Uh, it's called uh, Just Like Them. They're like a tribute, just like Descendants, them. all yeah. tribute kind of thing. Yeah, because uh, the all songs. I got really, really into all. I mean, like you yeah. know, because I, I I mean, I just couldn't get enough of that stuff. And I think with Descendants, you know, my entrance or you know my Entry to Descendants was a greatest hits. And so it took me a while to go back and listen to those other records because I was like, okay, well, I've already got all this stuff. But all, you know, I just went down that rabbit hole and I couldn't get enough. So, yeah, when I, when they asked me to do this, I you know, I, I thought back to my first sort of exposure to Descendants and, and, and wanted to do one of those early songs. So, yeah, we did uh, Clean Sheets, which is <laughs> such a great song. It was funny. They hit me up. Those guys all listen to my show and they hit me up at the last minute and they were like, Hey man, uh, I already played the whole thing, but you can do the solo. I'm like, that's fine with me. 14 <laughs> seconds and I'm out, man. <laughs> yeah. It sounds awesome too. So that, yeah, I think, I think they're waiting on me to do the video, but we, um, we have, I'm, I'm actually very happy. I have power right now because yeah. that's, that's not a given where Dallas is, um, 
we're blanketed with snow and ice right now. We're just not set up for that. So we've got rolling blackouts and all that shit happening. But right now we're uh, we're good. But I plan to get. I think I'm the last one they're they're waiting on. And once I get my video done, then we'll be uh, we'll be rocking. And hopefully this will be out by the time this episode's out, so people can go check it out. So yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. <laughs> I hope so too. Was it you that asked them though if they put stuff on like? <laughs> on Spotify and they were like well not yet we don't really well, yeah, know I, I ask them because I know there's <laughs> covers on Spotify and Apple Music yeah. I, I was like you have to do you have to sign up for the licensing or whatever but I, they should do it they've done like a bunch of songs you know yeah they should do I mean do, do, so this is a, a advice to young bands who are listening to this right now if you put cover songs on YouTube Spotify things like that you you don't have to do anything those sites do all the accounting for you so you can literally cover whatever the fuck you want as long as you don't sell it. So if you, you, you do, Bowling for Soup does this all the time. We release covers constantly because it's like, why not? It's this whole uh, area of discovery for people who might like that song, but haven't thought about our band since 1985, yeah. you know, not the year, the song. The song. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and, and so it's like, I, I tell bands that all the time. I'm like, man, that's one of the new things is dude, just cover songs, acoustic, full band, put it out there, get it up on Spotify, get it up on YouTube. You know, that that's, that's the discovery thing. And I don't, I think a lot of bands still think that you have to go through all of this. Well, I've got to pay this mechanical royalty and all that. That's only if you sell it. Yeah. So if you're just out there, let, let the, let those big social media companies do your, do your accounting for you. You know? Well, I mean, and like that, I was in, I was in the Ataris and the biggest hit the band ever had was a cover song. And, you know, yeah. we didn't get the money from that, but it got a lot of people into the band. So it's the same thing. Sure. Just get your band out there no matter what you're doing. Right. 100%. Yeah. And I know that, you know, Chris has gone back and forth with that song as far as, um, you know, how he feels about it and how, you know, because it doesn't necessarily represent who he is and all that. Yeah. But man, you know, hits don't grow on trees. You know, that's, I, I just, I say that all the time, man. You know, if you got a hit with a cover, you got a hit with cover. Some, some nights he'd be, he'd look at me, he'd go, I don't want to play it tonight. And I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to play this song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I, you know, and maybe you know more about this than I do. But like, don't you just want everybody to freak the fuck out? Yeah. When you're like that's what's gonna get them to lose their shit is that song. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that was that was my outlook on it. I'm like, man, you know, there's a couple thousand people here. If we don't play it, they're not gonna be super stoked. I mean, some people won't yeah. care, but I mean, there's a lot of people here that maybe that's their only entry point to what we're doing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's but well, you know it's I, I think there's there's certain ways that bands like that to um that deal with that like we've we've toured with bands that play their hit first yeah and you know it's just like I man I I you know I don't know I don't know it's just uh, one of those things it's a mindset you know and uh, but and Chris is an artist oh, too definitely you know? like, yeah I think he's he's more of an artist than I am as far as like you know he it, it like his songs mean so fucking much and you know and I get it you know it's uh, it is what it is. Well, you know, we're talking about covers. I love jumping all around. I have this like timeline in front of me that I wanted to go off of, but I'm, we're totally away from it. But that's a great thing because we're talking about covers. You know, I've never made this confusion, like this mistake, but I know that there's some confusion about Stacy's mom. Yeah. People yeah, that thought yeah. you guys did it originally, but it was Fountains of Wayne, but you have since covered that. Can you kind of take me through that story <laughs> a little bit? Yeah, it, you know, it's it took me a while to figure that out. For years, I I didn't understand why. I mean, literally every show, 
people, they'd make shirts, say Stacy's mom and signs like play Stacy's mom. And then, you know, women would come up and be like, I am Stacy's mom. And I'd be like, <laughs> tell Stacy hello. You know, I, I, and so for a long time, it, it, and, and when I say every show, I mean, every show Yeah. now still to this day, when I meet like someone on a baseball team of my, uh, some parents from the baseball team that my son is on and they're like, Oh, what do you do? I'm, I'm like, I'm a musician, you know, whatever. Oh, what I've ever heard you guys, you know, first question is always, Oh, do you guys play around here? <laughs> and I don't know why I hate that question so much. I just fucking, oh, do. I, 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 go, well, not same, great. <laughs> I have friends from high school that hit me up and they're like, are you playing anywhere local? I'm like, yeah, no, you no. got any shows this weekend? <laughs> uh, no, I don't just fucking do shows, you know, like anyway. Uh, so, you know, and anyway, it comes to, uh, you know, I'm in a band called Bowling for Soup. Oh, I've heard of you. Oh, Stacy's mom. No, that's not it. I mean, <laughs> dude, I had a, f I mean, I have press people, interview people who don't do their research yeah. that are just like, you know, when Stacy's mom hit, like, what was that like for you guys? And I'm like, I don't know, seeing my friends on a Dr. Pepper commercial. I, you know, I, it's, I have nothing to do with that shit. So, um, you know, those songs, that song in 1985 were popular around the same time. Um, you know, so for a while I sort of just was like, okay, maybe it's because our video and their video are all over VH1 and we're real recognizable dudes and they're kind of not yeah. like they're all, you know, could sort of just blend into a group. And that that's kind of the way that they even filmed their stuff was to not really highlight them. Whereas ours was really in your face. Like, this is what we look like. And so I thought that would be kind of what it was. But then one day it just hit me and I was like, you know, what happened was when file sharing was huge that shit got put in uh, that when file sharing, got, it got mislabeled. Yeah, Somebody yeah. just thought it was Bowling for Soup. And then millions and millions of people spread that like freaking coronavirus. And the next thing you know, like we're just, that's, that's who did the song, you know, is us. So, um, but yeah, we got credit for that thing for years and years and years. And one, one, one year I was just like, you know what? Fuck it, man. I'm going to, let's just cover this and put it out. Why not? And we sold like 8,000 downloads on iTunes that Christmas. And that's been fucking a, a lot of years ago, 10, yeah. 12 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so Adam, uh, rest in peace, yeah. Adam Schlesinger, who, who was, was the first friend I had that uh, first friend I lost to coronavirus, Um, and one of kind of like the first kind of famous dudes, uh, to lose the battle, um, he he was uh, the main songwriter for Fountains of Wayne and a songwriting genius, by the way. He wrote that thing you do, by the way. That's which crazy, is fucking, yeah, yeah. That it's the fucking greatest movie song of all time, of course, yeah. And um, anyway, so I sent it to him, and uh, and he was just goes, "Oh man, this is so awesome! It's so nice to hear uh, the vocals in tune." <laughs> <laughs> just. And just for for a musician to hear like a hero of yours, like actually, you know, compliment yeah. you covering their song, it, it feels pretty damn good. Maybe we'll uh, we'll get some feedback from the Descendants guys when we when we get our thing we, out there. <laughs> we could, I mean, we could, we could get. Stefan's not going to say anything mean, you know. I just like want Stefan nice. to say like, well, you hit all the notes in the solo. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a unique yeah. style the way he plays solos. I, I thought I knew how to play it, and I had to actually sit there and figure it out because I I was missing a couple things. So. Dude, he, yeah, it's, again, his style, I'm not a guitar player, I play guitar, so, like, I don't even attempt, you know, those things, like, that, that was a frustrating thing about being, you know, teaching myself to play guitar when I started writing for the, the band a couple of years before Bowling for Soup, 
um, was that I couldn't figure out all songs because they're all all those chords and stuff yeah, are so yeah. wacky. You know, and it would just drive me crazy um, not being able to pick that out. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he's and it, it's crazy talking to Stefan about about that shit. Is he'll be like, oh yeah, Bill writes this shit, <laughs> and then but he writes it really slow. And then he's just like, now you play this, but we're going to play it about 15 times faster. You know, he's what? <laughs> so let's, let's get into a little bit then, uh, about how you write songs. Cause that's something that I'm very interested in. I'm a songwriter. I, you know, I went to college for music theory. I teach guitar for a living. I, sometimes I get so caught up in the math of the theory that I kind of get stale and I have to mm. jump out of that. Does that affect you or do you just jam? Like, how does it come together for you? That's an interesting question and one that I talk about a lot. So I don't know any theory at all. Like, I, I can't tell you what key any of my songs are in. And I'm not joking. Um, you'll hear me make fun of the fact that I'm not good at guitar. I'm fucking really good at playing my shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. as far as, you know, it's like I was telling somebody that there's probably nobody that can play my shit better than me. <laughs> But that's all I'm good at, you know, is, is, is this, you know? And, um, so, you know, I, I, I know how to pick around on the piano. I know all the notes, but I couldn't like sit there and sight read for you. Yeah. Um, and I don't know keys and things like that. So, um, comes up quite a lot actually where, um, you know, my best friend Linus produces all of the Bowling for Soup stuff with me and, uh, he'll be like, okay, well that harmony doesn't. That, that that rubs wrong with the chord, and I'm like, yeah, but it sounds fucking great. Like, what? Why does it? You know, whatever. And and it will. There's been arguments where he's just like, it's just not correct, and I'm like, yeah, but it's fucking sounds fine. You know, whatever. And but we talk about that about how you know, sort of when you know all that theory, as you just said, you're sort of boxed in sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes it helps to not know. You know, and and so there's kind of you know. There's probably sometimes where you wish your brain worked like mine and probably more times where I wish mine worked like yours because I I get frustrated. I'd like to know that stuff, you know? I'd like to be able to to do that, but my brain just won't hold all that shit in there. It's 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 like I I know how to do what I know how to do and it's the same thing like even with recording. Um you know, I, d I don't get in there and learn all the Pro Tools shortcuts, and I don't know how to edit drums and all of that shit. I just know how to record good demos. They sound great. They're on the grid, and we can go track to that if we need to. Um, so, you know, but songwriting for me, um, everything usually starts with a concept, um, and concept to me is key, and then usually um, a chorus, and then right backwards. Um and, uh, but you know, you know, sometimes just a front first line will come to me, you know, um, uh, so it's a different ways, but I, uh, but melody and lyrics kind of lead for me. Um, I don't like make up a music bed and write over that. Now I will say, uh, Bowling for Soup has a new record coming out at some point, And even the first single, uh, Rob wrote a couple of songs with me on this stuff. And the way that we did it was he did, he sent me music beds and I wrote what they call top line over it, which is where you just write lyrics and, and uh, melody over it. And so I did, and I'd never done that exercise before, but we have a couple of cool songs coming out of it, but it just def definitely very different from the way that I'm used to doing it. Um, Would you say that the pandemic has kind of influenced some new ways of doing things then? 
Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, because he, well, I mean, for sure, because he's, he's got nothing else to do. He's, he's in Bowling for Soup now. So like he gets in this band and, you know, he's gets a paycheck every month and now we can't fucking go do anything. So he's sending <laughs> me song ideas and shit. And it's just like, I've never really had anybody in, in my band do that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, that's been cool. You know, it's been, it's been really cool, but you know, for the most part for me, um, I'll have the hook and then sort of just write backwards. And then the chords just kind of follow along to the music um, until the song's done. And then you can start putting in things. Oh, okay, well, I'll go to a B instead of a D here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, you know, or we'll put a stop here, or I'll strum this this way, or we'll pick this, and, you know, kind of thing. But, um, you know, I write everything on acoustic. Uh, and, um, you know, so it goes from acoustic guitar uh, with an idea of where we're gonna go, then it's then a drum beat on on uh, Pro Tools. I get the drum beat going at that tempo, and then from there, the verses just kind of come out. Do you remember like what it what was going through your mind when you wrote like 1985 or, or any of the songs that kind of you know it would be your signature songs that people would know if they didn't know the band very well? Like like the lyrics in 1985, they're kind of tongue in cheek, but they're really cool. Yeah. Like, do you? Did the music come first, or did you have that concept already, and then you just kind of wrote it around it? 1985 is such an interesting one for you, but because we didn't actually do that song first. Um, it's that SR-71 had actually written that song and released it in Japan. Wow. And then sent it to, to me, because they didn't have a deal here, and um, he was trying to get his feet into the songwriting world, and... Um, I was like, yeah, this is cool, but it doesn't really sound like Bowling for Soup. You know, like the, the lyrics are pretty harsh. So um, he was great. He, he let me just have my way with it. Uh, so it's, it's more of a, of a uh, collaboration, if you will. Not necessarily even a co-write because he just kind of sent it my way. But um, no, I, I mean, I remember the mindset of like even uh, – here's the big thing about me is I can't hear a hit. So – when you when you get one of my records and you're and you're and you're not, you're like, well, girl, the bad guys one is obviously the single on this. I'll be like, really? <laughs> like, I thought Emily was really good, you know, or yeah. or this song, you know. Um, so I do have to sort of just trust. Once the music is done, you know, you just kind of watch the people around you and see what they gravitate towards before you know, you know. And, and again, we live in a world of singles now. It doesn't really matter like it used to. You know, you 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 see, you'd go and spend all this money on an album, then you'd release it, and you you know, your first shot, you kind of had to hit something. If you didn't, you weren't getting a second shot. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And uh, but obviously, it's a different world we're in now. You know, this might be a weird question. Please don't take offense to it. But like with 1985 and girl, all the or guy, all the group, what girl, all the bad guys want. I'm I'm having a hard time talking right now. <laughs> those songs they're different but they can be kind of put into the a same category like yeah like was there ever any pressure from a label or just pressure on yourself to kind of capture that for each record that came out like well here's the song that's kind of along the same lines as these songs that have hit mm. not be a hit song but like because i've listened to your records and not every song has that spirit you know sure sure yeah, no, that question makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, if I'm being completely honest, those songs were written to be singles. Yeah. It, they're literally written, uh, you know, when you go into Girl the Bad Guys Want, Almost, Punk Rock 101, High School Never Ends, songs that are our biggest songs. Uh, 1985 would be in there as well. Um, you know, 
again, those songs aren't just me sitting around in my underwear writing a song. There, there's definitely the thought of like, okay, this we're gonna write the single now. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then that kind of stopped after high school never ends. I really didn't have that pressure anymore because, I mean, um, l- sorry for partying. I, you know, we think has five singles on it, you know, and um, so, you know, No Hablo Inglés was, was going to be the single before we got dropped. And that's by no means like in that same category with the songs that I mentioned just a minute ago. So, um, you know, but yeah, definitely in those days, basically what had happened was, is, you know, we had released uh, Let's Do It For Johnny, which was our fourth album, no, fifth album. So we had done four albums on our own. So our fifth album is our first major label record coming out on Jive. The bitch song was the single. It did great in the UK. Didn't do shit here. Um, and so our sophomore effort was Drunk Enough to Dance. Girl the Bad Guys Want um, was not a hit on rock radio. And so it seemed to be pretty much over until it crossed over to pop, got a Grammy nomination. Um, and then from there, it was like, let's go. Well, Punk Rock 101 was actually written after that song was a hit and then stripped onto the album. Um, so it was written to be the follow-up single for it. And then you get into Hangover You Don't Deserve album, 100% when me and Butch Walker wrote Almost, we were like, we're writing this to be the single. Yeah. This is going to be the fucking single. And 1985 came in late uh, and ended up being the fucking breakaway single. Almost did really, really great too. Um, and then... um. You know, when I was writing High School Never Ends with Schlesinger, you know, I, I definitely, we were under the, you know, I was like, I still need a single on this record. You know, The Great Burrito Extortion Case. And uh, so, you know, you you definitely, I, I, to answer your question, you definitely write differently when you're writing for the masses. If you're not, if you're not just writing a fan record. Like, for example, it's like the whole don't bore us get to the chorus thing. Like, I don't have to abide by that if I'm writing songs just to fucking put out and yada yada. If I'm, you know, b- back in the day, if I wanted, you know, Z100 to play the song, it had to go by, you have to pretty much play the game. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have to kind of be, do the format shit. It has to sort of fit in with what they're doing, you know, and, and there'd only be a few slots. It's like us, Good Charlotte, Simple Plan, and All American Rejects are competing for the same five minutes of airtime a day. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so you 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 had to be able to to fight that fight too, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And I mean, I, I meant no, no disrespect. I love all those songs, but it just it seemed like you guys every time a new record would come out, there would be that one song that kind of almost you could pair with nineteen eighty five, or you could pair with. They kind of all seemed like this is our hit. This is our sense of humor. That kind of thing, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, and and that's. Honestly, what's crazy about that is High School Never Ends is – so the the president of Sony now was the um, head of uh, promotion in uh, at Jive Records at the time. And he says his biggest regret is not following through with High School Never Ends. They bailed on it too soon because he thinks High School Never Ends would have been bigger than 1985. I actually agree with that just simply because of the sentiment. Had that song been just given the chance, it would have been fucking huge. Um it's I don't have I'm not jaded or anything by it, but but yeah that that that's the thing right? As, as radio people would hear it and go, oh, this is just 1985 too, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
And it's like, it's kind of not. I mean, there's, there's, um, you know, there's pop culture references in it, but there's pop culture references in half of our songs, you know? So it didn't quite get the shot that it, that it needed. But again, I, I don't sit around and, and lose sleep over that. I mean, you know, it, there, there's many things that happen in a career that, you know, can seem pretty unfair, you know, like, uh, for example, I mean, you know, if, if, uh, you know, being being one of the bands that broke during the height of file sharing, uh, you know, our chance to make millions of dollars didn't happen because we didn't sell the fucking records that they were selling in the 90s um, because people were stealing it. Now, I could fucking sit around and, and lose sleep over that. But what I have to also understand is, man, I mean, but that many more people were discovering my shit and I'm yeah. still selling out shows and our band's been together 27 years and we're fucking... We're doing bigger venues than we were doing 10 years ago. That's awesome, you know? man. So, you know, it's uh, it's kind of just one of those things. Perspective, I guess. I know you guys play the UK quite a bit. You know, like I'm, I'm close with Rob and, and he was on the show. Actually, I think you'd already asked him to join, but I wasn't. we weren't able to talk about it when he was on the episode. It was kind of oh, a that's hush funny. thing. But uh, yeah. he was getting ready to go to UK with you guys. I know uh, you've taken Pat and Pending to the UK. I'm friends with all those guys as well. Yeah. What do you equate? your like the level of success you kind of still have i'm not saying that you don't have it everywhere else as well but it seems like the uk is almost like a second home for you guys definitely yeah i mean you know if you if you put the two countries up against one another uh it's the same uh so we're as big in the uk as we are here the difference is is geography wise everything there is super close together so we're massive because we go over there and do way bigger venues for way more days, you know, whereas here shit spread out. So, you know, we can't do 4,000 people in Dallas and Oklahoma city, you know, like it's just not a thing. Um, so, but you know, honestly, they just get it. Like, you know, when we came out swinging, we embraced the funny aspect of things. We, we look like dudes who like anybody could do what we're doing, you know, and we are real about that. And we're like, dude, this is fucking awesome and we're and we are we're just human beings and who we are we don't ever put on any sort of act or anything like that so i just feel like they embrace that realness that is us as people and also you know just the humor aspect of things um they just fucking get it like our our i mean like it's crazy they're just you know i mean the bitch song was such a hit over there and they don't use the word bitch that much i mean it's 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 not it's they they use cunt more than bitch <laughs> yeah. and don't understand why they don't understand why cunt makes us gasp yeah, you know yeah. um but uh but yeah you know i mean that that's really the thing that i can attribute to because again our audiences are growing again over there so you know we've been we've been able to do you know large venues over there since 2002 um only a couple of trips after we we came the first time and uh you know here we are 25 years later 24 years later and, um, you know, headlining a couple of arenas now, selling out Brixton Academy every time we go over. And so, um, you know, there's a music is such a part of their everyday life. And music is something that they also share within their family. So it's not it's not um, uh, it's not unique for a family to be like, OK, you know, we go to download festival every year for our holiday as a family, parents and four kids. And that's what they do together. And they go to gigs together. And, you know, you. So many more like 
father and son and and mom and three kids and things like that. Um, and when I say kids, you know, we're three generations in over there by now. Yeah. You know, so it's if you know we've got, you know, grandparents who were bringing their kids to our shows when we first started coming <laughs> over there. Now they're coming and there's three generations and, you know, pretty fucking cool. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a big, big part of it as well. So you mentioned, you know, being nominated for a Grammy. I saw this thing online where you were the worst dressed in Time Magazine at the Grammys. Yeah, we were. Yeah. And People Magazine and people. as well. Yeah. Did that, I mean, I would almost probably wear that as a badge. How, how did that, how was that for you? We were, we were so happy. Like we, I, honestly, it was in the back of my mind that it was going to happen. But, you know, you just can never, but man, we did. We made such a splash because we wore the top part of our powder blue tuxes but we wore navy blue dickies cut off so we had a, we wore shorts and pumas to the grammys you know in these ridiculous tuxedo jackets um and uh, you know just we definitely you know we definitely made a splash walking in um but yeah uh yeah we got Joan Rivers worst dress people magazine and i think time magazine worst dress and then uh chris got made fun of on jimmy kimmel for have, being the biggest guy with the smallest head and then Two weeks later, we were on his show, which was great because we got to fucking give him shit back about that, you know, and okay, well, now I got to back it up. But um, yeah, man, it was, uh, that was, that was, that was crazy time. That's for, we had to actually, we actually had to reschedule a, we got the Grammy nomination. We were in the UK on tour. We had to reschedule a show so we could fly over, go to the Grammys, fly back and play a show the next day. Wow. Um, and so uh, we were, you know, luckily we were quite a bit younger back then. Well, I tell you what, I just had uh, Chris De DeMakes from Less Than Jake on. I'm sure you guys know each other in some form or fashion. Um, yeah. I, I I mentioned to him, you know, that there was always kind of this, at least when you see them live, there's this com comedic approach. And I know that that's true with you guys as well. We've discussed it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever, even at the height of anything, was SNL ever offered or even a thing you guys thought about doing? I mean, it's definitely, that. that's the, that's the, that's the world cup, right? I mean, that's, that's the one, like, that's the one you can get. I mean, it's, it's like we, um, we got to do all of the, all of the talk shows except David Letterman, but we got bumped for Tom Petty, which we wear as a badge oh, yeah. as well. You know, we're just like, well, we didn't ever do Letterman, uh, cause Tom Petty wanted to fucking play that night. And, uh, by the time they could rebook us, our song wasn't a hit anymore. So, you know, we weren't, you get that, that's your window. A lot of people don't even understand how those those shows used to work but like you know you get in and then that's it i mean you know it's not like you have a relationship with dave letterman after that and he just, unless you're blues traveler he doesn't just bring you on because he likes you you know um but uh yeah yeah so saturday night live is just the that's the big one still to this day if you if you get to play saturday night live it's that's that's as big as it gets i mean i i honestly can't think of a bigger because I could see, I could see you being in the skits, like Grohl's always in the skits, and the Beastie Boys are yeah. in the skits. You know, oh man, you know that's the dream. I mean, you know that that's it's you know that's that's what I wanted to do was was that kind of stuff and that kind of comedy, that kind of kind of theater. I I you know I have managed to make it a career though by incorporating the guys into it, and it's it's been awesome. But yeah, that it, it would have been something. I that's you know that's one of those things where you know, kind of like once you're not on Jive Records anymore, you're just like, okay, well, that ship <laughs> sailed. We're not going to, you know. Not Who knows, man? That. I mean, you, you, we were talking about it, you know, this meta all the way back. You never know who's a fan. Maybe some booker at SNL yeah. is a fan. 
Who knows? Yeah, you know what? You, yeah, you never know. And also, I mean, what a weird world we live in right now, right? I mean, it's like I don't pretend that I have another hit in me, but I also don't pretend that wacky shit isn't happening all the time, yeah. you know, with just the right song at the right time, you know. And uh, but, but I don't sit down, you know, going back to a topic that you brought up earlier, I – I don't sit down to write hits or singles anymore. I haven't done that since, since, like I said, since Sorry for Partying. Now I, I, I write what is coming out, and um, you know, I, I, I write Bowling for Soup songs, you know. But I, there's, there's nothing. I haven't thought about writing a song for radio since 2008. What do you think about uh, like Machine Gun Kelly and all these rap guys that are now doing the pop punk stuff, like? I, I have a lot of people that are kind of have mixed feelings about it. I think whatever gets kids to want to play guitar is probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, look, pop punk is a genre that whether you want to embrace it or not, uh, it is a, it's going to be here forever. It's like eighties metal. It's like nineties hip hop. It's like, you could even say it's like grunge. It's, it's just something that people will always gravitate. Oh man, I want to do a pop punk playlist. It will just always be here. The more people that you can have that can carry that, that trophy and just remind people of like, you know, bands like us who have been around, who, you know, who helped, you know, storm this fucking genre into people's houses. It, it's, it's great. And you know, our right now streaming is King. Our genre streams so fucking good, man. Like pick a rock band on the charts and go compare it to us or simple plan. And I bet you, we smoke them yeah, yeah. like on, 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 on uh, streams. I mean, it's just our, our genre is just at an all time high right now. Um, and you know, you, you have the, the whole blink 182 saga that's going to play out in front of us at some point that at some point they're going to get back together. Yeah. That's going to be huge. My chemical romance, though, I don't really consider pop punk. A lot of people do. They're getting back together. That's huge. But the Machine Gun Kelly stuff is great. I love not it. Not only is it, I love it. Not man. only is it great. He he managed to do the thing. So the kind of shit that is big for my kids now is that deal where you that Post Malone thing, where you have a simple melody, simple hook, and you just say it over and over and over again, just over and over. He's taken that mindset, that kind of writing, and made it into a pop punk thing which is fucking amazing. Like it, it's just, it's so good. And um, who's the guy? Mod son. Yeah, I heard yeah. one of his songs the other day. It's fucking terrific. Well, and, and you know, Feldman's producing amazing. all that stuff too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Feldman for the, I'm sure everybody on your show knows, but he's the guy from Goldfinger, but he produces everybody, Yeah, you know, and, and uh, you know, crossed over into pop for quite some time, but it's been kind of back in the, back in the punk world for a while. Well, I tell you what, man, I've had you on here for about an hour. I do have uh, a listener question. I had a couple, but we talked for a long time, so I'm going to get to one before we get out of here. All right. Uh, sure, so man. Peter from Connecticut, he said, what are your thoughts on the death of the Warp Tour, and what do you think the music live music scene will look like in a post-COVID world? Mm, okay, so first of all, Warp Tour. You know, I know Kevin Lyman. Uh, I haven't had this conversation with him, but just from being an observational person and and doing that tour and and speaking with him and and just watching it all go down that he couldn't he couldn't have physically not been on the tour and it stayed the same so it, the guy you know he worked for 25 years doing it and it's it's a lot of fucking work oh, yeah. 20 years i guess but i mean and you know it took his whole summer and you know all of that so the guy needed a break and i totally get it and you know 
what luck, you know, he did it before <laughs> COVID hit, yeah. you know, and didn't have to cancel a whole summer, yeah. you know. Um, but I just, I just get it. it. Without Kevin Lyman, that tour would be a nightmare. Yep. And um, so if he can't, if he doesn't want to do it, it shouldn't happen. I, I, th- I really honestly thought we'd start to see more things like have it pop up in this city or that city for a summer or the cruise, things like that. Um, maybe that'll happen, but you know, we gotta, we gotta get through this, this thing first. Um, you know what? I, I was listening to something the other day on, um, on the news about sort of how we'll get through this. And and I think what you'll have, first of all, is you'll have the people who don't give a shit and just want to go out and they're going to pay for anything. You're going to have a lot of success for, you know, mid-grade fucking bullshit entertainment because we just all need something, yeah. you know? And um, then, you know, you're going to, the world will start to settle down again and and we'll start to, 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 you know, get to be in shows and things like that. But I still think we're a year away from being able to have, you know, a thousand people standing shoulder to shoulder. Um, but, I, you know, I hope we get there. I, I do. I, I don't mind the socially distanced shows, to be honest. Um if we're going to be streaming them and um, you know, we can make it make sense for the venue and the band and, and actually get out there and do it. Um, so man, it's a really difficult question. Cause I really, <laughs> I think my opinion on where we're going to be changes from day to day. Um, all I can say is, you know, I, I would love to stand up on stage and see 5,000 people standing arm to arm and arm again, sweating all over each other and, and, you know, sharing beers and shit. Um, so I, uh, that's, man, I, I, I guarantee you there's a lot of us who won't be taking it for granted, uh, when it comes back. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. Uh, Jared, I've had a blast today and I can't wait to be on your show coming up next week. Yeah, man. Yeah, you'll be on uh, next week, so it'll be the week after when yours will come out. But we'll uh, we'll make sure everybody knows, and uh, it'll come dude, it'll come out before this because I'm about six weeks out. I had a lot of content that got built up. <laughs> got it. All right, cool. We're still, um, you know, me and the the whole point of the show is me and Gary are our dads, and so through all of this, you know, we keeping our families going and all, and all of that shit it too. And so, and he's also a realtor. Um, and then I've got my Chuck E. Cheese and all this other bullshit that I'm doing. So. Sometimes just us getting a, an episode done the week before <laughs> is about as good as we can do. Uh, we haven't managed to get a, a get a stockpile yet, but I'm always I'm always excited to be on someone else's show because I don't have to prepare as much. <laughs> yeah, no, man, and honestly, we wing it. Um, I I won't be near as prepared as you are because I want to learn about your family and your kids and like what it's like when you travel and all of that stuff. And so anybody who, you know, if you're thinking, Oh, that'd be cool to know that about this music. We've had a lot of people on over the, over the last couple of years. So uh, go check out rockstar dad show uh, anywhere you download podcasts. And Jarrett goes, to the movies is out there too. Five years worth of shit. Uh, I will say that the latest ones are the funniest things <laughs> ever. And, uh, and I'm everywhere at Jarrett J A R E T two one one three. And uh, I always ask about future. You were just kind of telling, you know, you've got all this stuff going on. You were talking about a brand new record at some point for Bowling for Soup. Can you give us any yeah. sort of update or any kind of information on a timeline or anything like that? I should know pretty soon. Um, you know, the new record is pretty much done. We have a little bit more singing to do, um, but we we will have a single and a video out before long. And um, so I'm stoked about that just to get some new music out there. 
And then um, we have a second greatest hits that we're working on, re-recorded. Um, you know, the, see, the first one was the first 10 years. This is like the next six years. <laughs> and uh, so that'll be fun. And, um, you know, just uh, anything you need to know is uh, is at BowlingForSoup.com. Oh, we do have a really cool thing happening. I stole it from Flogging Molly, and it won't be too late after this comes out. You'll be able to catch the second one. Uh, but Bowling for Soup Happy Hour, uh, where you can come and hang out with us, have some drinks. That's on sale right now, BowlingForSoup.com. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, dude, I had a blast today, and uh, much success in the future to everything you're doing. And uh, maybe when you guys have that new record, you can come back and we can do a part two. I would love it, man. Anytime, dude. And I can't wait to have you on. And uh, glad we finally got to meet, man. Yeah, it's awesome, man. And uh, I will talk to you very, very soon, my friend. Sounds good, buddy. See ya. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup and a million other things. <laughs> I had an absolute blast chatting with Jarrett, and I hope to have him back on the show very soon, maybe when that new Bowling for Soup record drops, which uh, sounds like it's going to happen. I can't wait for that. Uh, make sure to check out JustLikeThemBand.com to see our cover of the Descendants classic Clean Sheets and also all the other cool stuff that Jarrett is up to, you can check out over at jarrettreddick.com. That is J-A-R-E-T-R-E-D-D-I-C-K.com. Jarrettreddick.com. That is it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you spending so much time with me every week. Uh, follow us on the socials at TOTOT Podcast. Check out my new band, Fire Sale. Follow us on the on the socials. At Fire Sale is a band. You can also check out our new website, firesaleisaband.com. We have a limited edition shirt that you can get that uh, coincides with our new single dropping April 1st, which is on this next episode. I'm going to play it, and you guys are going to check it out. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Uh, if you need to get in touch with me for anything at all, it's super easy. TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com or on any of the socials, like I said, at TOTOT Podcast. Make sure to go to our website, TOTOTpodcast.com, sign up for the Discord server, grab some merch while you're there. It's the best way to support the show. So before I jump out of here, I'm going to play some music. I'm going to play Punk Rock 101 by Bullin for Soup. I just absolutely love the lyrics. I think it's great. It's one of those tongue in cheek kind of, you know, humorous singles that we talked about. One of those kind of flagship songs for Bullin for Soup. And uh, I know it, it's a pretty popular song, but I don't think it got quite the accolades that maybe 1985 got or, you know, some of the other songs. So I'm going to play Punk Rock 101 by Bullin for Soup. I hope you guys dig it. Make sure to come back next week. When my guest will be, it's bucket list time, Mr. Fat Mike from No Effects. It's so much fun. Literally one of my favorite episodes I've ever had the honor of doing. It's a good one. So many people hit me up. When's Fat Mike coming out? When's Fat Mike coming out? And I kind of like that I waited a bit because Mike's never done this much press and he he did a lot of press. I'm sure if you're a No Effects fan, you've seen he did the Loudwire thing where he talked about his favorite bass lines. He did a bunch of different podcasts and I held mine back because I wanted everybody to be hungry. I didn't want there to be 
900 things that Mike did when my show came out. So it's calmed down a little bit. They have the new NoFX Patreon, which is really cool. You can see them like writing and recording their new record they're going to do. But single album, their newest, most recent record that just came out last month, that's mostly what we talk about. We talk about a lot of like songwriting and I teach Mike some music theory. And one of the coolest things is that during the episode, Mike actually gets his acoustic guitar out and plays me a song that he's working on for the new record that's not even recorded yet. So yeah, it's it's an amazing episode. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. And uh, I'm also debuting my band's new single. So come back next week, Fat Mike. It's going to be great. And I just want to say thank you so much to Jarrett for coming on today and for giving me his time. And this podcast is my favorite thing in the world. And it means the world to me that you guys care enough to subscribe or rate or review or just email me or call the hotline or whatever. It's a really cool community. And I love all of you out there. And uh, if you would have told me three years ago that I'd be talking to Fat Mike or Jarrett or any of these guys on my podcast, I would have asked you what kind of drugs you're on. But uh, but it happened, and uh, I've only got a couple more bucket list guests, and I don't know if they're going to happen. There's some crazy ones. But uh, I love you guys, and I will see you next week. Remember to wash your hands, wear your masks, get your vaccination if you can. I'm going to get mine very, very soon. Be kind to one another. That's the most important thing. I will see you next week. As always, this is Chris, your favorite podcast host. Peace.
this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Turner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propaganda. Hi, this is Rory from No Use for Name. Hi, this is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.